Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 17, Paul says here, he said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Now, I want to just look at this in verse number 17. A couple of things we want to pull out of this. Number one, Paul is differentiating the gospel with baptizing. He's saying, you know, Christ didn't send me to baptize people. He sent me to preach the gospel. There is the preaching of the gospel that is needed in our generation like never before. We don't need to make proselytes. We don't need to make new churches and denominations. We don't need to make many me's and many you's. We need to make more disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way that we're going to do that is by exalting Jesus Christ. It is by lifting him up. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Our job as the men and women of the Lord's army is to lift up not me, not you, not Republicans, not Democrats, not Americans or Hondurans or any otherans, but to lift up Jesus Christ and to preach him crucified for our sins and him resurrected on the third day. That's the gospel that we're called to preach and that is what saves souls. He said here that it is that to those that perish, it's foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. That's where God's power is. God's power is not in men. It's not in methods. It's in the gospel. And we're here to tell you today that when you need power, you come back to the cross. You come back to Jesus Christ. You come back to him crucified. You come back to childlike faith in that simple gospel, and you'll see God begin to do a new work in you. Now, we see here, one thing I want to point out, though, in verse number 17, it says that he didn't come with wisdom of words. Do you see that? Wisdom of words. That would characterize our generation. There is so many people that have so many wise words that carry no eternal weight. We don't need to hear stories about your car or your lawn. We don't need to hear stories about how you rearrange the furniture in your home. We don't need to hear about how to get a new house or how to get new cars. We don't need to hear methods on how to get a new retirement program. We need to hear the power of God. We want to see chains fall. We want to see drunk folks delivered from the bondage of alcohol. We want to see people that have been in bondage to pornography set free. We want to see those that have been oppressed and abused and neglected lifted up, healed, mended, and set free by the power of God. We don't want to see people become many you or many me. We want to see Christ in them. That's what we want. And the way that we 
see that happen is when we magnify Jesus Christ. So Paul is here saying, I didn't come with wisdom of words, and I reckon if Paul didn't use wisdom of words, me and you shouldn't either. He said he is the apostle to the Gentiles. He is the apostle for this church age. And if he didn't use wisdom of words, then neither should we. We should rest on the finished work of Jesus Christ. We shouldn't trust in men. We shouldn't trust in the methods of men. We should trust in what Christ did. Jesus did enough to set people free. He doesn't need us to put perfume on it. He doesn't need us to salt and pepper up the gospel. He doesn't need us to put ketchup on the cross. All we need to do is to lift him up, to magnify him, and to exalt what he did. And men and women will be set free when they believe and trust in what he did. So that's what Paul trusted in. That's how he established churches. That's how folks got saved. And you know what? If you got saved, that's what you believed. You didn't get saved by signing up for a church. You didn't get you didn't get saved by marching on Capitol Hill. You didn't get saved by doing a 5K walk around some park. You got saved when you looked up at that cross and you said, "Did you do that for me? Did you die for me?" I was the one that did wrong. I was the one that sinned. I was the one that transgressed. I was the one that was in bondage. I was the one that fell. And you came to this earth and you bore my sin on that cross for me. And you defeated death. You defeated hell. You defeated the grave. You resurrected on the third day. That's the gospel. So he said that he didn't come with wisdom of words. And I, I just reckon, I believe that the reason that we don't see the power of God in America today is because we have too much wisdom of words. We're all about eloquence. We speak a lot about nothing. They call it word salad. It's when you got a lot to say, but you don't ever get nowhere. You sound like a lawnmower, but you don't do nothing. And what happens is when we don't preach and exalt Jesus Christ, what happens is we're preaching and exalting our own selves or our own churches or our own families or our own denominations or our own political interests, but we're not exalting Jesus Christ. We're not coming back to the one that died and set us free. We're not coming back to the truth. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? That's not just cliche. Don't ever stray away from that. He's the way. We don't need men. We don't need the White House. We've got the throne of glory. We can go all the way up to the throne of glory and obtain mercy for in our time of need. We don't need what men can give us. We need the Lord God Almighty. Listen to me. If God's on your side, who can be against you? Let the world come against you. But if God's for you, it's going to be okay. That saint of God, Athanasius, he was defending the truth of who Jesus was. And all the people came against him in his old age. And they said, aren't you ready to give up, Athanasius? The whole world is against you. And that old man, that old saint of God, he still had some fire in his belly. He said, it is not the world against Athanasius. It is Athanasius against the world. He had the fire of God in him. And he knew that if God was on his side, nobody could stand against him in the truth of who Jesus was was wrung out throughout the ages and now they have what's called the Athanasian Creed because that man stood on the truth of who Jesus Christ is. 
So it is not with wisdom of words that we hold to the cross. It is with simplistic faith in who he is and what he did that sets the captives free. So we don't need we don't need the word salad. We don't need the mumbo jumbo from psychology. We don't need philosophy. We don't need vain conceit. We don't need all these things that we see going on in the world today. We need the cross preached like never before. Today, today we see people running out of hope. You know why they're running out of hope? Because they don't have God. People are in a panic right now because they don't have the peace of God. They don't have the peace of God because they don't have peace with God. Peace with God comes through faith in Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And he preaches that gospel through us. And we see men and women in a panic. They're, they're, they're disturbed by the events of the world. And look, if you didn't know the outcome, you probably would be too. But those that know the Lord knows that God's going to get the victory. There's coming a day and an hour when God said, it's time, go get them. And the Lord's going to step out of the portal of glory. The sky's going to be rolled back like a scroll. And he's going to say, come up here. Amen. He's going to call the saints of God home to the streets of glory and we're going to gather around the sea of glass and worship the risen Lord Jesus on that day we're going to join the heavenly army worshiping around the throne of God amen can you imagine right now the choir is singing it's resounding around his throne worshiping the lamb of God and we're going to join that army someday our hope is not in a better world. Our hope is in a better God. Amen. We don't look, we're not looking to make the White House. We're looking to go up higher. We're looking to go up beyond the here and now to the eternal shores. That's where our hope resides. And when you begin to look, when you begin to look below eternity and you begin to set your eyes on the here and now and you get focused in the here and now, you'll lose hope, you'll lose peace, you'll be running here, there, and wherever to try to fix it and try to fix yourself and try to fix people when the one and only thing that will set any person free is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to talk this morning about how we expect and how we experience the power of God in our lives. Because you know one of the saddest things is, is a lot of people preach about the gospel but they never preach the gospel. A lot of people talk about the gospel but they never preach the gospel. A lot of people go to church but don't have church. A lot of people sing about the spirit but they don't have the spirit. A lot of people sing about joy, but they don't have joy. A lot of people sing or talk about peace, but they don't have peace. And one of the things we want to do is make sure that we have the reality. We don't need the wisdom of words of pastor. We don't need, we don't need pastor's eloquence. We don't need pastor's jokes of the day. We don't need pastor doing this and pastor doing that. You know what? You can have somebody do all that, but it's not going to help you out. It'll entertain your flesh. It'll tickle your ears. It'll make you feel good and funny and, and good and gooey, but it won't set you free. Only God can set you free. And God, look, God, God is not going to be mocked. God's not going to be mocked. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh. 
if, if you deny the work of God through Calvary, if you begin to listen to the wisdom and eloquence of men and you begin to rely on their wisdom and their intellect and their jokes and their charisma, what's going to happen is God's going to let you go down that foolish trail. But if you begin to come back to that cross and you begin to deny men and look away from others and just look, set your heart and set your eyes on Jesus Christ and come back to that simplistic faith in the cross, God will do a work in you that no man can do. God will do a work in you that no, no psychologist can figure out. They won't know how you got set free of your addiction. They won't know how you got set free of your guilt. They won't know how you got healed. They won't know how you got deliverance over those issues. Those voices are now gone. That body is now whole. Amen. That addiction is now removed. They won't know how that happens, but they'll just be able to say, I don't know. God must have done it. Yes. How we do this, how we do this is, is critical to understand. Now, Paul, as he writes here about the wisdom of words, he's telling you and, 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 and getting you to the point where you understand that it's not about earthly wisdom. God's wisdom defies man's logic. God loves to use those weak things. God takes those weak things, those beggarly things, and he lifts them up so that he makes men look foolish. Because God, look, God's looking for people that are willing to be fools for him. He's looking for people that are willing to be mocked, be, be willing to be ridiculed, be willing to, to look funny. Be willing to risk it all. And you know, not any person ever experienced true faith in the Lord without risking everything. I think back about the woman with the issue of blood. She had that issue of blood and it was taboo. She wasn't supposed to go around anybody because she was bleeding. In fact, if they knew it, she could have died for it. But she had an issue of blood and she saw somebody named Jesus. And she wasn't going to let anything that would happen to her deter her from getting to Jesus. And she risked everything to touch the hem of his garment. And because of her faith, she was made whole and so many times so many people in the gospel experience the same exact thing time after time people would risk everything to get to Jesus what have we risked to get to him we follow him casually. We follow him at a distance. We follow him with a golf clap. We follow him in, in, you know, just so much. We don't want to get too close because, you know, the holy fire is really hot and it'll purify. It'll set you free. It'll change you. It'll make things different in your life. It'll shake things up. And so some people are just comfortable being out on the outskirts. But God's calling you to come in to the very near presence. If you'll come into the very near presence, God will breathe holy fire on you. And God will cleanse you. And God will fill you. And He will seal you. And He will bring comfort in your midnight hour. He'll be a light in the darkness. He'll be hope when all hope is gone. And and he'll bring peace to the raging sea that is within you. You know, the devil's a liar, right? He's been a liar from the beginning, Jesus said. And the devil's all the time looking for a, a weak spot in us. He's all the time looking. One old minister said he'll go around you 99 times just to find that one time you leave the back door unlocked. So you go, oh, I shut that door. Yeah, he'll come back tomorrow. 
He's going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming till he finds that door unlocked. Well, that don't sound very fun. Well, that's the battle that we have until we go home to be with Jesus. Welcome to Christianity. The greatest thing is, is that we have the victory in Jesus, but God has called us to be sober and to be vigilant because our adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I hope you know and recognize the call to stay vigilant and to stay sober is a reality for each and every Christian, not just super-duper Christians, but if you're going to make it, you're going to have to stay sober and vigilant in Christ. You're going to have to stay on your toes. You're going to have to monitor. You're going to have to say, well, you know what? My joy is not where it once was. My victory isn't where I once was. You know, I hear them singing. I got the joy, 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 but I don't have it. I see. I heard them talking about victory today, but I sure don't have it. I heard them talking about the peace of God, but I sure don't have it. I heard them talking about chains, setting, being broken, but I sure don't have the, you know what? That is what we're talking about. The enemy is looking for areas in your life and in my life that he can access, that he can prick, that he can gain entry into. Now, Peter tells us over there in, in 1 Peter chapter 5 that that's exactly what's happening. We're supposed to stay vigilant and sober. Now, the reason that we're supposed to stay vigilant and sober is because all the time, God wants you walking in victory. And whenever you're not walking in victory, you need to reassess the situation and get back to square one. Because God has promised, God has promised the Holy Spirit to those that believe, those that, are, that wait and are endued with power, and the Holy Spirit is our victory. Christ in us is the hope of glory. And God gives us the victory in every situation. You may not like the situation you're in, but God will give you victory in the situation you're in. I promise you, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't like the situation they was in, but God gave them the victory in the situation. So you may not like the situation you're in, but God will give you victory in the situation. I don't like the situation we're in in our nation. I don't like the situation we're in in the church. But I know this, God will give us victory in the situation. We're called to be faithful and to rest on Christ, to trust in him, to be endued with his spirit from on high, and God will give the victory. We need to be faithful to him. The victory belongs to the children of God. But when we begin to trust the wisdom of words, we void our victory. So many people today have voided or canceled out the victory that Christ has wrought because they've trusted in the eloquence of the speaker and not the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. We have voided it out because we've trusted men and not the God-man, Christ Jesus. Now God's calling us to come to a place today, a place of weakness. God's called us to come to a place of weakness. Now that's, you can't really sing about that too much, huh? Oh, I'm weak today. But Paul preached it. Paul preached it. You see, there's, some, there's, a, there's, a, there's a dynamic about weakness that, that the devil cannot imitate. He masquerades as an angel of light. He's a liar, a deceiver. 
But there's one thing that the devil cannot emulate, and that is the humility that is required to be a vessel of God. Christ embodied humility. In fact, in order for him to come to this earth, he humbled himself, and he became obedient to the cross. He humbled himself when he came and incarnated into flesh. We're talking about the God of eternity incarnating in a house of flesh so that he could bleed and purchase us on the cross. And that humility embodied the ministry of Jesus. And in humility, he got the victory. And that same humility is what he's called us to. If you want to experience the victory of God, you've got to get to the point where you're able to walk in humility with God. Humility. And that's what, that's what Paul preached. Turn with me over to second. We're in 1 Corinthians. We're going to go all the way into the, the end of 2 Corinthians. Chapter 12. Paul embodied this and he taught this very same concept. We serve an awesome God. He says here in, in 2 Corinthians, we're going to go all the way to chapter number 12, down to verse number 7. Now, you probably know this, this passage, but I just want to point this out. Paul had issues. It's not fun. Nobody likes issues. You know, in our generation and in our church, if you have an issue, you become an outcast. You, you, they put you on the back row if you got issues. You know what I'm saying? You got issues? You, you, you got to go all the way back. They're not going to put you out front. Paul had an issue, and he was an apostle. It's what you do with your issue that determines the outcome. Come on now. It's what you do with the issue. We've all got issues. We've all got issues. Some of us have setbacks. None of us have it easy. You know, one of my pastors, he said, you know, when, when I tell you about my problems, it looks like a molehill. But when you start talking about your problems, you act like it's a mountain. In other words, you need to see it from other, other people's shoes. But you don't know the battles. You don't know the struggles. You don't know the, the, the things going on when nobody's around the things. But I'm here to tell you that everybody's got things. If you go back and you read, I, I, I quoted that verse in 1 Peter chapter 5, but when you read verse 9 and verse 10, Peter says, everybody, is, this temptation is common to man. Nobody's given any temptation that's not common to another brother. We've all got, we've all go through experiences that are hard. Some of us it's this and some of us it's that. But none of it is uncommon to the brothers and sisters in the Lord. And one of the greatest things we can do is realize that and, and listen to me. You have to know this. You have to know this. We've all got issues, but how you deal with it will determine the outcome. If you hide it from God, you're going to have a hard outcome. You know, whenever God came down in the Garden of Eden and he said, Adam, where are you? God didn't forget. God didn't have a momentary senior moment. He doesn't grow gray hair. He knows everything. So when God asks a question, don't you know he already knows the answer? 
Adam, where are you? God knew. He wanted Adam to confess and say, I'm hiding from you, God. I've pulled back. You see, they had a close communion. They had, they had walked in the cool of the evening in the garden together. They had communion. They, they had intimacy. They had relationship. And then one day the Lord came down to walk in the cool of the afternoon with, with His created son, Adam. And He said, Adam, where are you? Adam done pulled back. Adam had an issue. He had an issue, but he didn't deal with it correctly at the beginning. And it cost him. It cost him. You see, you shouldn't be ashamed. You shouldn't say, oh, oh you know, nobody, nobody, I'm afraid of what everybody's going to think. Look, you have to understand this. Until you get that issue resolved with God, there's not going to be any help. You're going to run to men? You're going to go get some wisdom of words from men? Try to, you know, help the flesh feel better? It's not going to help you. The power of God is not going to bless flesh. The power of God is ready when you come to that place of humility and humble yourself before God and open that heart up to God and say, God, here's that issue. Lord, here it is. I, I, I don't want it. I, I don't like this thing, but here it is. I'm ready for healing. I'm ready for deliverance. I'm ready for freedom. I'm ready to see the chains fall. Here it is. And at that time, that's when you're ready and a candidate for the power of God to come on you. Not ever before that. God's not going to empower that which is withheld from Him. God's not going to empower that. He doesn't skip over sin. God will never skip it over. He wants it on the plate. He wants you to offer it up. He wants you to give it over. He wants you to surrender it. He wants you to admit it. He wants you to confess it. He wants you to be ready, be ready to get rid of it. Now, you've not gone too far that God can't help you, but God won't help until we repent and we confess and we humble ourselves before Him and we say, God, here it is. Here it is. I know that the word repent isn't preached anymore. It just simply means changing your mind, changing your heart, turning away from self, and turning over to God. The reason people don't like that word preached anymore is because they know exactly what it means. I don't have to define it. Everybody knows what it means. You only get funny with it when people start redefining it. Here we go in, in, in chapter 12, verse 7. Paul said this. He said, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Now, I, you know, I just got a question here. There's a lot of times that we pray for things to come out of our lives, and God don't deliver it. Well, well, sister so-and-so don't have to go through this. Why do I got to go through this? Sister so-and-so never had to battle this issue, and I got to battle this issue. I don't want it, Lord. How many of you know, and then there's times that the Lord will leave that thing there. There's times. Not every time, but there's times he'll leave that thing there. You know why? 
The very same thing that the devil uses to bring destruction, God uses to bring deliverance. It, it, it is dependent on how you deal with it. The very thing that the devil's using to destroy you, God will use to deliver you. It's how you deal with it. Oh, we've all got those problems. We've all got those issues. We've all got hurt. We've all got pain. We've all gone through some things. It's how we deal with them that will determine deliverance or destruction. Do you know that Paul could have said, well, I'll be. I've served God all this time. I mean, he blinded me on the road to Damascus. I've served him, and now I've got to deal with this thing. Forget it. Or it could have gotten bitter. How many times have we gotten bitter? You know, well, nobody, no other apostle had to deal with this. Peter didn't have to. James didn't have to. John didn't have to. I got to. Well, I got to. He could have gotten bitter. But he sought the Lord until he got an answer. He sought God till God answered. I want you to catch that. He didn't just say, oh, well. Because that's a door the devil's going to get in. He didn't just put it under the rug and say, oh, well, God will sort it out whenever he wants to because that'll be an area that the devil uses. He had to get an answer from the throne of God. And he sought God till he got a word on it. He said he sought God three times. Look what he says in verse number 9. He finally got an answer. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. How would you like Jesus to tell you that? I'm keeping you weak because that's how my strength is made perfect. He said, most, Paul said this, most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, we talk about, oh, I got the power, power, wonder-working power of the blood. You know, we sing about that power, but it comes with a cost. Paul had to humiliate and humble himself to be willing to walk with the thorn in the flesh that the power of Christ may rest on him. Okay, Lord. You want to keep this thing on here so that I'll be made weak so that your strength can be complete in me? Fine. I'd rather have your power than that anyways. And that's when the power of Christ came on him. Not before. Not before. Once he was ready, once he was ready to, to, to say, God, okay, most gladly, therefore, most gladly, therefore. And he says, he talked about his infirmities. You see that? He talked about his infirmities. He's glad about it. When was the last time you heard a church leader say they was glad about their infirmities? Let me tell you about my faults. Let me tell you about my issues. You see, a lot of times we, we, people, you know, they put on a, a charade. They put on a, a, a mask. They put on a charade and they act like this and they act like that. But Paul wasn't acting. He wasn't acting. He wanted the power of God. 
He says in this next verse, he said, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I'm here to tell you this. The power of the cross will work when you're weak. The power of the cross will work when you're weak. When you come to the Lord and you say, God, I can't do this. Lord, I don't have the answers. God, I don't know how to bring healing. I don't know how to, I don't know how to walk through this hour that I'm in. I don't know. I can't see right now. I can't feel anything right now. I'm hurting. I feel like I'm overwhelmed right now. But Lord, I'm trusting you in it. I know that you're my deliverer. I know that you're my rock that never falls. I know that you never will leave me or never will forsake me. You won't forget me. You won't overlook me. But you will come to me. You will dwell within me. You will empower me. And you will set me free. I trust you in this hour. I can't see two feet in front of me, but I know you go before me. I can't tell what's going on behind me, but I know you're my rear guard. I'm not going to look to the left, and I'm not going to look to the right, but I'm going to look straight dead ahead at the cross of the risen Savior, and I'm not going to trust in men. I'm not going to trust in their wisdom, their eloquence, their methods, or any other thing. I'm going to trust in Jesus. That's why Paul said, Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the cross, to preach the gospel, because that is the power of God unto salvation. Not wisdom of words, but the cross. And I'm here telling you, I'm here telling you that the access to the cross is the weakness of your flesh. Expose yourself to God. Say, Lord, here's my hurt. Here's my issue. Here's my sin. Here's my pain. Here's my thoughts. Here's all that I am. Just becoming weak before God brings you into that place where you're a candidate for the power of God to come on you. It takes humility to come to God and say, Lord, I need a touch. It takes humility to come to God and say, God, I'm blind. I'm wretched. I'm vile. I'm vain. I'm a, I'm a vagabond. God, I need healing. I need to be set free. I need deliverance. I need you to set my mind straight. I need you to heal my heart. I need you to heal my body. I need you to give me a right thinking right now, God. It takes humility. It takes humility. So it's the preaching of the cross and the way that we access the cross is to humble ourselves to that place. Amen? Amen. To humble ourselves to that place. Now you might think, you, 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 you might think well, why, why do I got to do that? Do you know that Jesus humbled himself? He humbled himself, as I said earlier, he came to this earth. He humbled himself. You know why? The book of Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him was you. Right? He humbled himself and became obedient to the cross for the joy that was set before him. That was you. Now, if you want to experience the power of God in your life, you're going to have to humble yourself for the joy set before you. 
You're going to have to humble yourself for the joy that was set before you. You know that God resists the proud? God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Whenever Jesus was around somebody, whenever he was ministering, he always had one of two responses. You, you, you look it up. If somebody came to them, came to Jesus, and they were all proud and arrogant and boastful, look what we've done, who were you? Jesus gave them the law. But when somebody came to Jesus broken and contrite, like a, like a, a woman caught in adultery, or a woman that was in fornication, or somebody that maybe they had a, 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 a child that was oppressed of a devil, Jesus gave grace. He gave law to the proud, and he gave grace to the humble. What do you want? Do you want the power of God in your life? Humble yourself before him. He'll exalt you in due time. Humble yourself before God, and he will exalt you in due season. He, he will bring a deliverance for you. I don't know what your need is, but I know who the answer is. This is my favorite thing about pastor. I don't have to know it all. I know who knows it all. <laughs> I just know where to point to. I know what the book says. It says go to Jesus. And you see, this is where the power of God is at. The power of God rests at the cross. God won't allow the power of God to bless wisdom of words. He wants us and our hearts to humble ourselves before the cross. How we handle our weakness will determine everything. You see, Paul allowed this weakness to bring him to that place of strength in Christ. How many times in our lives, though, do we have weak areas, but we keep them back from God? And they become a stronghold for Satan. How you handle weakness will determine your victory. Everybody's got weak areas. I'm not preaching to Superman or Superwoman. We're all of Adam's race. We've all got issues. How you handle the weak areas of life will determine your victory. This morning, the enemy's desire is that you feel hopeless. But God's desire is to birth within you hope. God wants you to see there's hope for you. When, when, when Adam sinned, there was hope for him. But not until he confessed. That woman that was caught in adultery, there was hope for her, but not until she was willing to let it go. The woman at the well, when Jesus said, go and sin no more, there was hope for her if she went and sinned no more. Paul right here, he had no hope because he had this thorn in the flesh. But when he gave it to God, hope rose. But not until then. The power of Christ came on him even with the thorn in the flesh because he had surrendered it and humbled himself before the hand of God. And the hand of God used Paul and propelled Paul into his calling. But he wasn't going to do it before that. 
And if you'll humble yourself and let God touch you and minister to you this morning, the power of the cross will be at work in your life. We're not here to preach men or methods, denominations or churches. We're not here to sell you nothing. We're not here to take up donations. We're not here to sign you up. We're here to preach Christ and Him crucified and Him resurrected from the dead. And God is calling one and all, regardless of where you come from, regardless of your background, regardless of the battle you're in, God wants to heal you today and fill you with the Holy Ghost. He will, listen, it is, the, it is the power of God and the salvation that we're preaching, the cross. If you'll come back to simplistic faith in the cross, that's where God, look, God, his power works when the cross is preached. God came from heaven to earth, and he offered himself on that cross. He didn't offer himself in denominations. He didn't offer himself in psychology. He didn't offer himself in systematic theology books. He offered himself on a cross and he beckons all who will humble themselves to come and be healed. Come and be made whole. This morning, how you handle your weakness will determine whether you get destroyed by it or delivered from it. Would you come to the cross today and be set free? Father, I thank you for the people here today. Thank you, Lord, for the gospel. Lord, I thank you for your help in our hour of need.